Welcome to Everything's Messy. Okay, so we know that so far with the podcast, it has really been a journey of getting to know what I'm trying to accomplish, which is help people through their mess and find their strength through it. Everyone has a story to tell. I've been very open with the medical issues that I've gone through and how I'm trying to heal myself. And I'm just so very excited. Before we get to the interview today, though, let me just say last week's interview was fantastic. We loved having Jackie. I hope you enjoyed that, too. If you didn't get a chance to listen, go back and listen to her interview. Just a great, overall, wonderful, inspiring story from her. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast or have any questions, just shoot me an email at everythingsmessy at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, and X, which was Twitter. Also at YouTube, all at Everything's Messy. So shoot me something. Let's talk about it. If you have a messy story to share, we really want to hear about it. Uh, so getting back to today's episode, there is so much misinformation out there to a lot of people that have gone through different diagnoses, different autoimmune diseases, just things that they're trying to wrap their head around. And you know, in the show, we are trying very much to help people to learn, you know, to get the information to learn how to advocate for themselves. My guest today, Haywood White, he's an integrative nutrition health coach. He has such a great positive outlook on on everything in life, really very grounded, brings so much to the show. And just a great positive mindset. He too has his own messy story of how it came to be. So I can't wait to get in and share that with you. We all have to start somewhere. We all have to take that initial step. I think he is a great, great way to get started if you're looking for someone to help you on your journey. He has such a great way. He breaks it down for you. He spends the time with you. He's very, very knowledgeable. He's very passionate about what he does. I mean, that is definitely the word that comes to mind when speaking of him, especially about health. And he's going, he's lived it and he's still going through it. And so he wants very much to find health and healing for you as much as he wants to find for himself. A uh, brand new dad, him and his wife, just uh, welcoming in a new baby, which is such a great season and all of the feels that come with that. So uh, he was very gracious to take the time to do this. So I can't wait to get into this. Without further ado, Haywood White. Okay, well, welcome, Haywood. How are you today? Great. Thank you for having me. All right. So let's just jump right in. Um, I want to kind of get your story on how you got started with being an integrative nutrition health coach. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just dive right into it. Um. Just really quick, I want to preface and thank you again for having me. I feel like for your listeners, I want to let everyone know uh, she was extremely accommodating with me, <laughs> like almost too accommodating as maybe the most welcoming host ever. Oh. Well, I'm, I'm very excited to have you. I think this is going to be a great show, and I feel like you have so much to offer our listeners. So I'm so grateful to have you. I appreciate it. I, um, to answer your question, I'll just dive into it. Basically, um, I was born sick. I was born in an emergency C-section uh, without my spine fully fused together, called a spina bifida. So I've spent basically my whole life uh, extremely sick is kind of how I like to put it. I was always very, very frail. I had various pains that I've had my whole life. Always really struggled to put on weight. Got sinus infections every winter. Um, ultimately, that snowballed into pretty bad depression and anxiety around the time I was 12 years old. And so that kind of turned into a, uh, a young adulthood of 13 for something to make myself feel better. Um, That's a lot to take in in such a, just a young. Doing a lot. Yeah. I like to say, um, there's a, uh, there's this myth, um, called the wounded healer. Um, it's an old Greek myth about, uh, uh, this Greek god Chiron, who was kind of like the father of of medicine and Greek mythology, and um, he was in in this myth. He was shot by a poison arrow, and it forced him to spend his whole life searching a cure. And I, I don't remember exactly if he was ever able to find it, but ultimately through his search, he was able to find medicines for various ailments and illnesses. And became quote unquote the wounded healer as it 
So wow, such a worthy endeavor for sure. In a way, it's the only way to make real meaning out of a life like that, I would say. And life yeah. gone. I, I like to kind of talk and look at myself that way in a way that's like, it has been a really hard, like uh, a lot of struggling. Um, but ultimately, I've come to a place where not only am I very comfortable and largely at peace, but I'm able to help others get there as well. That's amazing. So, so what did that look like for you? How did yeah, you... Like wrap it up, like uh, got really anxious and depressed when I was 12. So in my teenage years, kind of going through it. When I was 19, I ultimately, I sold my car. I gave up everything that I had actually. And I went and hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, which is a, uh, it's a backpacking trail that goes through Washington, Oregon, and California. I didn't quite finish it, but I went all the way through Washington, all the way through Oregon, and halfway through California. And when I got about halfway through California, I sprained my shoulder really, really, really bad. Like on the verge of a level one AC joint tear. Wow. And that old Was it from like due to a fall or just? It was just over time stress tear. I was hiking a lot and just, I wasn't really prepared for it. Like I was still very frail and sickly from my whole life. And yeah, but what an amazing accomplishment to be able to do that. And I'm sure you felt the same way to be able to say that you do. I mean, that's incredible. I haven't finished it yet, <laughs> but I, um, no, I, uh, I'm really proud of it for sure. And, but ultimately kind of where it's relevant to this story is that it, it really hurt me. And, and, and um, that shoulder injury snowballed into a double shoulder blowout. So I tore both labrums, my AC joint, my right shoulder, um, both fibrospinatuses, which is one of your rotator cuffs, um, which ended up leading me down kind of a list of misalignments and other structural problems that I'd likely been dealing with for a long time, but that didn't really present themselves until this larger event happened. So I found out I had a herniated disc, which was causing scoliosis, and that was arising from a misalignment in my pelvis, which was coming from a tear in my hip. So... Long story short, I had like a complete fallout in my physical health uh, going into 2020. And around that time, I just, by the grace of God or by a stroke of luck or what have you, I was on Instagram scrolling around and I discovered my first nutritional mentor, Ryan Alexander, who was posting about gluten. And he was posting about the effects of gluten for people that are gluten sensitive. And kind of listed down all of the possible symptoms. And if you know anything about gluten, gluten yes. sensitivity, which I know you do, um, it can affect everything. It, it basically damages your small intestine, which is where you get all of your micronutrients from your food. From it's your small intestine's job is to absorb micronutrition from your food. So if you have gluten sensitivity, basically you're damaging the absorbers that are doing that, and it causes what's called malabsorption. So the nutrients are kind of a raw materials for everything that happens in your body, from physical health, mental health, everything across the board. You need some semblance of essential nutrition to do that, amongst other things. I, I call them the raw materials of our biology. So if you start being deficient in any set of nutrients, it can manifest itself as any number of symptoms. So one person's deficiency can look like chronic pain, one person's deficiency can look like insomnia, one person's deficiency can look like depression, you know, you can get it on the list here. Basically, I started looking at all these symptoms and I was like, wow, I have all of these problems. I don't have a good explanation for it. I might as well get a gluten sensitivity test. And so I went, I got a blood test. It came back and I was full-blown celiac disease. Wow. So I, thank God, I finally had an answer. I also found I had pre-diabetes and low thyroid as well. Wow. It was, I know it sounds like a lot, but it was like the best day of my life <laughs> to get those answers. But the, basically, just because I'm interested with the diabetic comment, the numbers though that they gave you for pre diabetes, was it actually what we would? It was, it was a reference range that okay. was just average of some, some sample. <laughs> but uh, I, I feel both... like they keep moving the goalpost for those numbers exactly. to continue to put people in that category. Exactly. From a functional perspective, though, for my body type, I certainly was entering that realm. It's just I wasn't that bad yet. Mm -hmm. um, but I was having some symptoms associated with like insulin resistance and that sort of thing. So it was like semi-revealing, but 
to your point, yeah, they tried to scare me about it, and it wasn't nearly as big of a deal as it probably should have been. But but nevertheless, you took it seriously. Oh, I took it very seriously. It was the best day of my life. I finally had these answers to these things I've been struggling with for so long. And so that kind of like, that was in 2020. So for the last few years, I've really just been educating myself, trying to apply the things I've learned and trying my best to heal. Ultimately, a year ago, I kind of got to a place where my numbers had come down. I had pretty much completely reversed my celiac disease. I was starting to get strength back in my body to where I could do things I needed to do, run errands, do chores around the house. And so I decided to get educated about it. And that's when I got my nutrition certification from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. So since then, basically, uh, I'll probably likely will be trying to heal myself in some way or another for the rest of my life. But I have thankfully been able to use a lot of what I've learned along the way, my experiences to start helping other people who are going through a lot of the same things that I went through. Because ultimately, I probably could have gotten that answer a lot earlier than I did. And I probably could have made some really simple lifestyle changes to avoid years and years and years of suffering and of just bad experiences. And so my goal now is to try to democratize this information and, and create kind of a space for people like me who are confused about what to do about their health, who are getting more or less faulty information and who can do something different that's actually going to help them. Because Definitely. And it, it all comes down to that education. And I think more and more people might actually take that route if the information was more readily available to them and what they might be able to, just simple little changes that they could try that they don't know to do or they get conflicting information or they're listening to their doctor who's not using those things to tell them what they should be doing. They're just writing the next prescription for them. So that's, um, the, I think that's wonderful what you're doing. So how would you say you started to heal? Was it through diet? Was it through just, you know, we talked about the small changes. What what were you doing? So um, it was mostly through diet, mostly through cutting out gluten originally. So my healing process was- Was that hard uh, for you? It was not, actually. Um, so it seemed like it was going to be at first, but as soon as I cut it out, I realized how good I was feeling. It was pretty much impossible to go back to it. I actually make a point out of that. I, I'm a person that I've struggled with bad habits my whole life, you know, and I've like, I have what you would call an addictive personality, like shouldn't eat too much sugar. And <laughs> don't we reason, the health journey has revealed that that's not necessarily true about me. I uh, and things come up that I need to change that obviously provide benefit to me. I can do it snap of a finger without some wow. thought. And gluten has been one of those things that's been kind of revealing. It's like I ate bread and pizza my entire life growing up. It's like my favorite food. My first word was chocolate cake. Oh, back. Yeah. <laughs> that's and, a great first word. <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, and so I, um, I was really shocked to see how easy it was. But since then, I've been able to kind of like make similar changes and reorient different lifestyle habits. And over time, I've realized that if something really is going to benefit me and if something really is going to make me feel better, it isn't difficult at all to change up what I'm doing. It's, it's actually the easiest thing in the world. But I, I like to say my healing process, it wasn't linear. So I had a lot of problems. If it was just celiac disease, you know, I could have cut out gluten. I could have reversed the antibodies and that would have been that. But the thing is that I only found out about the celiac disease because I had such severe physical injuries that I, it kind of forced me to go down the rabbit hole. And then once I went down the rabbit hole with those, they revealed more and more injuries and so on and so forth. So healing for me looked like, you know, getting a little bit of relief and then backtracking and then getting a little bit of relief and then backtracking and kind of following that cycle over and over. Um, but ultimately... I would say about a year ago, I really honed in the diet perfect. I like found everything that works for me really perfectly. And I finally found some movements and some exercises that really would work for my body. And just following through with that process and getting to where I am today has been, I guess, the healing process overall. So can you reveal to us, because a lot of our listeners were in this kind of battle carnivore versus vegan, and there's great points to the vegan side. There's, to me, better points on the carnivore side. Where do you fall in with that? 
So I spent six months fully carnivore in this process, actually. Um, these days, I eat a lot of animals and a lot of plants. I, I incorporate a lot of both, mostly animals. I would say probably a good 70 to 75% of my diet and my calories comes from animal products. Um, and are we talking red meat? Are we talking chicken? Meat, are you doing meat. organ meat and things like that? So I don't do, I sometimes do organ meat. I, uh, I'm kind of a wuss about it. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I recommend organ meats on my clients. It's the main part of my protocol that I use with autoimmune clients, especially. Um, but personally, I get most of my B vitamins and the vitamins that you would get from beef liver from supplements and from other sources. Which I, I mean, that's as long as you're taking it, that's great. I will tell you, um, I love the occasional beef liver shot. <laughs> <laughs> now that is more than I so I actually found this product and I get no royalties from this whatsoever it's called forces of nature and it's an ancestral blend that they actually have ground up the spleen liver and kidneys into what looks like ground meat I make it for my kids they have no idea they're eating organ meat and I, I swear by it it's so great I've seen that company before I know exactly what you're talking about forces yeah. of nature yeah, they make a venison and they just chop up the heart, liver, spleen, everything goes right in their kidneys. And then they do the same with their bison product. And it's just this ancestral blend is what they call it. And like I said, I cannot, I use it for, you know, the tacos, whatever we're having. And my kids cannot tell, they do not know that they're eating organ meat. I went to order some like a year or so ago and I think they were out. They were sold out. <laughs> Probably so. Oh, wow. No, and they have great practices. It's a company out of Austin, and they're very big about their regenerative fields and how they're treating oh, the animals. Wow. So it's it's just a great, and again, I get nothing from this product, but it has really helped me kind of integrate that into my diet um, because I'm not sure I could be the one to eat liver and onions by itself. <laughs> no, there. I, I feel like there's so much of that stuff happening in Texas. That's It's like the place to be for beef and regenerative agriculture. That's really cool. Yes. But thanks for reminding me because I, I went to buy it. It was sold out and I don't think I ever thought about it again. Yeah. This, this is a sign for me. They also have a podcast as well. So just to, um, again, I get nothing from them. I'm just a really big believer of their uh, product. So well, that's, that's my big thing about the carnivore world is I don't eat carnivore anymore, but the community mm -hmm. in carnivore is the best community I've ever seen. Yeah. Like across the board. Yeah, I would say that. I don't. I don't know who you started to follow. I started to follow Dr. Paul Saladino, and his um, carnivore cookbook. And I mentioned on the podcast uh, last week. I may. I attempted the carnivore bread, which I was basically that. <laughs> that was not good. But I. I still. I'm not. You know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's still a good product, and I want to keep going with it. So, but anyway, let's uh, get back to a little bit more of um, your story. And what would you say, let's start with good and bad. So what would you say was the hardest thing you had to overcome? So I spent almost three years, I'm still dealing with this sometimes now, not being able to sit down. So with my, my physical problems originate in my hips um, and just chronic sitting is kind of what caused that. So when I sit now, especially if I sit for prolonged periods of time, I have to be really mindful of my posture. Granted, I expect that to, I do a lot of back strengthening exercises and that sort of thing. So I expect that to kind of become easier over time. But for about two or three years, I could not sit down at all. There was no, no lounging, no relaxing. Watched TV, standing up, read, read on my book, standing up, which is obviously really good for you. But I sincerely didn't have a choice. If I would sit for more than five or 10 minutes at a time, it would cause some really severe misalignments. And I would get these really bad shoulders spasms. Like wow. So, so talk a little bit about just like, because I think of like the psyche not being able to like relax and sit down. So did that keep you like anxious a lot? Where you was there angst because you just it was hard. I'm sure to just relax. Yeah, it's definitely um a lot of anxiety, a lot of frustration, I would say, is, it was the main emotion about it. I still feel like a little frustrated thinking about it. Like uh, there were a lot of times where you know, you'd work really hard, you get a lot done, and you just kind of want to sit down and watch a movie or sit down and read a book. And not being able to do that is a luxury that I think is, is really hard to imagine giving up for a lot of people. I never, ever. You're not. So 
so how did how did you mindfully what was the mindset to get through that um i've thankfully learned a lot about like body work and meditation so i do a lot of like stand not yoga quite but like a, a lot of fascial maneuvers or what they're called so just like demonstrate really quickly like um one thing i'll do is i'll kind of like counter rotate my chest to my head and you can't see my legs but my legs are crossed over each other right now too and i'll spend like 10 minutes or so just doing different types of breaths like this and there are other like movements like that that i add as well that kind of um turned it from this curse into kind of an opportunity to do something new and work with my body and like these days i i still deal with some chronic pain but I'm forced to move around and to do so much standing up that I'm extremely flexible. I'm like, and my support muscles, my joint supporting muscles are probably a lot stronger than your average person as well. And yeah, overall, it was just a lot of body work, a lot of breath work, um, using it as an opportunity to do something moving and standing instead of looking at it as something that I was cursed to do. A lot of laying as well. I mean, I have to admit, I uh, brought my yoga everywhere with me for a couple of years i can't yeah i mean i just can't even imagine and so we're processing through that though did it um get easier as you would have to you know stand and and do those kinds of things certainly that's the thing is it's like um when you don't have a choice with something like that at least in my experience there's kind of like a uh Mentally, what happens is the frustration about, over time, the frustration about not having a choice kind of fades away, and it becomes really familiar to be in your set of circumstances. I guess that you could say that about anything. Sure. Uh, but that was my experience. Is like now, you know, I sit really rarely these days, honestly. I stand, I'm standing right now, as you can tell. Yeah. And is it, you know, because then you think of sleep, is it uncomfortable then when you go to lie down or is it just the sitting part that is uncomfortable? So if I, sometimes in the middle of the night, I'll like roll over onto my side and sleep and that, that will cause some pain and discomfort the next day. But as long as I stay on my back and I'm like conscious of my breath while I'm awake, breathing into my stomach instead of my chest, it's never an issue. Wow. But that's kind of saving grace. It's like when I get really, really, really exhausted and like really need a break like I just lay down my yoga mat and lay down for a little bit it doesn't really matter where I am like my wife's always making fun of me it's kind of embarrassing I think but I'll literally be out of the supermarket and run out to the car and <laughs> throw the yoga mat on the parking lot and lay down for a minute but you have found what has helped so that to me that's empowering right there 100% I think there is a um obviously with that story you can tell I'm not really afraid to do what I need to do even in public and so I think a major point of, of learning to deal with something like this is kind of like a social liberation in women. It's like I present, I try to present myself very well. And mm -hmm. like I'm very polite. I obviously, I don't just lay willy-nilly in random places. No. Car. <laughs> but I wouldn't think that you are doing that. I think there were would be a lot of people who would find themselves in this situation and wouldn't do what they need to do because they're quote-unquote not supposed to. So I think a, a major part of it was kind of like learning to make compromises with my like social conditioning and with the things that I've been taught right versus wrong and to deal with kind of the discomfort that comes along with doing things that are abnormal or like moving in ways or breathing in ways sure, that are sure. not super normal to other people. Well, and if I've learned anything, it's we have to be our own health advocate. Because nobody, nobody is going to, not even the doctors are looking out for you. So you have to advocate for yourself for sure. Um, go back a little bit, like when you first started having these injuries and, and even as a child, um, were you given medicine to combat the pain? Was that, you know, something that just became a staple? How did you deal with that? Yeah. So when I was 12 and when I started kind of having like mental health problems, they put me on an antidepressant and an, an SSRI. And I was on that for a long time. How did that make you feel? Like a zombie. Uh, like, not like myself. It's really bizarre to reflect on some of the things that happened in my life while I was on that medication. And um, yeah, it is really bizarre. And um, after that, when I was 15, they put me on a medicine called guanfacine, uh, which was for low blood pressure. 
you can believe that. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So I, they never gave me anything for the pain because it never was quite to that point. But I spent, like my neighbor growing up was my orthopedic doctor. So I literally like, I would spend every day at his house doing different things, giving me cortisol shots, stretching in different ways. And I spent most of my life in physical therapy in some form or another. And so like, you know, that was a major part of what started this for me was seeing what the medical authority had to offer and how little effectiveness it really had. It was obvious that more risk than benefit for sure. You always hear of those new, you know, arthritis drugs or something like that. And then as the TV goes on, it rambles on 15 or 20 things that are, you know, at risk to take these things. And it's like, there has to, we have to be doing better. There has to be something better than this. Well, you forget about the really happy families that are right. in the background. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, it, it was bizarre because as a young person, I didn't really understand. You know, I was like, you know. I thought I was just kind of frail and that I just you know, was a little weak and sick sometimes. Like, and I got sinus infections and you just do what the doctor tells you when you get those things. I never gave it much thought. And it really wasn't until I was probably around 18 that I really started to question, like, you know, what am I doing? Like, I remember vividly one time looking at my medication in my hand and thinking to myself, like, I'm putting myself in a position where I'm going to have to continue taking this medication for the rest of my life if I don't do anything about it. And I literally, I looked at it and I threw it in the trash and I never took it. And that's incredible. That's so powerful. I took that. No, that's, that's so powerful. That's what I did with my statin. It was, uh, yeah, that's, I feel like more people should do that with their statins. It's pretty bizarre <laughs> how many people are on them. Well, I and doctor tell you to go on it like when you didn't even need it, I assume. So it was after the heart attack, um, but it oh. was, I did not have high blood pressure, nor did I have high cholesterol. It was um, strictly related to blood sugar control. And, um, but they, their line was, well, the statin will help prevent, now that you've had one, it will help prevent future heart attacks. Yeah. Um, but he couldn't explain to me how, and he couldn't explain to me how the side effects and the damage of the kidneys and all of these things that I have to worry about anyway, being a diabetic, how that would play into it. So I just didn't feel like the um, benefit outweighed the risk. And he still uh, fights with me to this day to take him, and I won't. <laughs> I'm sure. It probably, he probably hates you for doing your efforts. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they keep moving the goalpost for the cholesterol as well. And I have very low cholesterol. And they keep saying, well, now, you know, they think it's going to now be under 100 for cholesterol. And I don't think people understand the science or the makeup behind cholesterol is actually good for us. Yeah. And if you look at the studies, it actually will encapsulate the cells in the brain to protect you against disease like Alzheimer's. And they want to strip that from you. And I just... Oh, I could go into cholesterol. Cholesterol is literally the master steroid in the body. You cannot have sex hormones without cholesterol. You're talking about the hormone epidemic we're all going through. It's because we're all on statins. Yep. And the Alzheimer's thing you're talking about. Literally, Alzheimer's is a degenerative brain disease. You get into it, there's a couple different or a few different types of dementia, but they all have to do with the degeneration of a couple specific sections of the brain. One is gray matter, not much to do with cholesterol. The other is white matter pretty much entirely made of cholesterol. So it begs the question of, if we are giving people cholesterol medication or cholesterol-lowering medication, and then they're having degenerative brain diseases that are directly related to the absence of cholesterol, what is, what is causing that? Like, is it not this medication that we're putting them on? Oh, and then you get into it too, the, the blood sugar stuff and met metabolism. Our cells are what creates energy in our bodies. Our bodies don't run on calories. They run on ATP. And it matters how well your body can convert that calorie into ATP. And when it can't, when it can't take glucose and give it through the cell, you get insulin resistance. You get diabetes, so on and so forth. You get every disease you probably name at a certain point. And how does that happen? That's a big question, right? It happens because there's a membrane around the cell. A membrane, and literally the word brain is in it. This membrane is what's called semi-permeable. That means it's kind of liquid, kind of solid. Things can move through it if they're allowed to by the, by the membrane. So the membrane's job is basically to make itself permeable 
two things like glucose that need to come into the cell to get used as energy. This membrane, almost entirely made of cholesterol. Wow. So if you ask people that are just deficient in cholesterol, but you get into this fried food oxidized cholesterol conversation as well, not only do people lack the raw materials to regenerate these cell membranes, but the raw materials, the cholesterol they're using to regenerate it is degenerated. It's oxidized. It's it chemically fallen apart, basically. And that's a wonderful conversation. It, that is the most bizarre thing to me. It's like cholesterol is one of the most important uh, nutrients, for lack of a better term, that you can put in the body. It's like one of the most essential things that there is. That's why it's in animal foods. It's why it's a part of our evolutionary history. Yet they demonized right. it. Yeah, it's crazy. And the way they demonized it, that's the craziest part. It was through this guy named Ansel Keys. Have you heard of him before? Mm -hmm. So he literally was like the golden boy of cardiovascular research. Basically, and like, oh God, I, I'm not going to be able to pull the year off the top of my head. But in the 70s and 80s, he ran something called the Seven Countries Study, where he went to seven countries in the world that had abnormal rates of longevity and looked at their diets. He found, or so he claims, that they all had diets low in saturated fat. Now, lo and behold, years later, we find out that not only was the data inconclusive, but he used a variety of extremely faulty methods to collect that to data. Collect it. Mm -hmm. Skewed those statistics. Well, it gets crazier because not only did he do that, but he was a member of the American Medical Association while being on the board of Procter & Gamble, who created basically margarine as we know it, Crisco. And while on both of these boards, he got the American Medical Association to call Crisco heart healthy while getting them to donate $1.2 million to Procter & Gamble in the process. So the whole thing, the cholesterol conversation, is one of the most convoluted cases of corruption in medical history. And it speaks to this whole thing we were talking about in the first place of the fact that that's the, the only medical authority you have to go to are people that are being misled at best by faulty science. And at worst, are just playing into it for the sake of their bottom line because they're apathetic and don't really care to do any better. So it's like... Sorry for the rant, but the stat. No, I I pre no, I'm absolutely right there with you. I totally appreciate that, and I don't think again we talk about the education. Unfortunately, they have done such a good job to just put out there what is not true, and unfortunately, people again. And it's not I don't I don't you know we talk about personal responsibility. I'm not sure that they're really at fault because. You we were led to you know trust your doctor. Your doctor's not going to hurt you. You know they take a Hippocratic oath to make you know that they're not going to do any harm. Yet they're actually doing harm. I wanted to take a moment to quote Hippocrates and talk about the Hippocratic oath. A man who is not his own doctor is a fool. <laughs> and I think a lot of people learn this because, and, and that goes know, back to being your own advocate, to be your own health advocate. Because I mean, but it takes time and it takes doing research and, and learning about things. And I think uh, sometimes people would rather just take the pill and go on with their life and actually have to dig deeper. And I know that, and I know that's hard and I'm, there's no judgment on that other than you're actually hurting yourself. 100%. And I, I feel like I should qualify that too, to say like, cause I don't want to call anybody a fool, <laughs> but like, uh, well, you didn't, but, <laughs> but when you fall, when you people, literally think that these authorities are the only thing that they have to get this education. So it's like, obviously, like if you're not being your own doctor, you are a fool in some context, but how, what other options do many of us have? Yeah. You know, it's like the other information isn't just suppressed and demonized, but it's highly inaccessible. Sure. I guess, I guess it's inaccessible because of being suppressed and demonized, but sure. Point I'm trying to make here. Well, so on, on that note, let's sort of take a left turn here and just in the field that you're in, do you foresee it continuing to grow? Because I do think there are people out there that really want this information and are trying to find it. I know I am. Or do you see sort of the officials coming in and making it harder and harder to get this information because it is hurting their bottom line? So I, I really try to take the least fearful approach possible to these sorts of things. I, I'm very optimistic about it. Oh, I think human spirit 
wants to find the truth overall and the truth will reveal itself no matter what. And so just to ground that in something literal, um, you do see a lot in, in even the medical community itself we're seeing a lot of people transitioning into what's called functional medicine, mm -hmm. especially some of the most successful doctors, some of the most popular ones. And so just in that context, there is some really serious infrastructural change happening. But in a broader sense, we just had this like global pandemic, which violated a lot of people's human rights and the sake of really faulty science. So Very false. Not, not even, I mean, it wasn't there. Exactly. And so it's like there are a lot of people, I would argue in a majority even maybe, who just had the most perfect example of all of the problems put right in front of them and whether they're conscious of it or intuiting the problem, they're paying attention to the problem and therefore seeking alternative solutions. Like in my field, I know the last couple of years has been the best for anybody's business in holistic medicine. Not only have people been making the most money, but people have been healing more and more. And that's like, um, I feel like there's a snowball effect to that too, to where at a certain point, I mean, with COVID, there's this conversation about like herd immunity, quote unquote, mm -hmm. right? I feel like you could say the same thing with psychology to where like at a certain point, enough people, enough, enough percentage of the population become awake to the reality of things that it becomes more or less impossible to continue to condition them. And so I feel like we're going through that kind of great awakening right now where people are like realizing like, oh, I need to be my own doctor. I need to mm -hmm. do my own research. I need to like, you know, govern myself more or less. And because no one else is going to do it for me very well. Yeah. So that, that would be my answer. I'm optimistic about it. I think that people are really waking up. It's just a matter of what the change is going to be in the name of I, I think there are like uh, let me dive into this really quick i feel like this brings me around to something i was trying to talk about um i feel like a lot of what we're seeing with sickness and disease is by design and not to get super like conspiracy theory or whatever but i wouldn't clear well i appreciate it <laughs> i imagine we would have a lot to agree upon with these sorts of things but there are a centralized group of political and economical elites across the board from all countries that aren't trying to enslave people or hurt people, but that believe that is in their best interest and the world's best interest to take away our right to self-determination. And just to qualify that, they probably think that because we've had like world wars and nuclear problems and like they probably think they are doing a good thing. I like to be non-fearful about it, but... The consequence of that is our rights are being stripped from us in the name of safety mm -hmm. so on and so forth. And so to me, a lot of what we're seeing is by design. And it's not so much that people are like waking up and are going to like change the system to be quote unquote rights. I feel like the system itself was again created to be this way. And so just to be optimistic about it again, I feel like there are governmental or communal types of infrastructures like different countries around the world and like different communities or like Texas and Florida, I just hit that are like centralizing their own more personal sovereignty in a way. Definitely. Preparing to maybe uh, exit this more global infrastructure that's starting to develop itself. And I think you're seeing that across the board. I would say, you know, the homeschool community has exploded. And just in in that, you know, going sort of a different direction, but still talking to sort of this exit of world, what you know, what they're trying to do. Uh, homesteading is now something that is coming back into play. And everybody, you know, there was a, uh, a class that my kids and I took the other day where they were encouraging the kids to know the names of plants and herbs, know more names of those than you do celebrities. I mean, that's just, we're to completely making this paradigm shift. Uh, I, I would go back to say, or to ask you, you know, talking about these elites and what they think is good for us and whatever. What do you say, though, to the way that, especially here in America, um, how they're, what they're doing with the food, you know, the glossfate that they're putting on everything, the, um, I don't know the technical term of it, but it's basically antifreeze that they're using in food. They say, oh, and a little, you know, little amounts is okay, but it's it's basically antifreeze. And people don't even know that it's existing in their food. What What would you say to, you know, to that? 
I think that it's really easy to control a population that is sick, dumb, and depressed, to put it really frankly. Um, I do have some numbers right here. I, I kind of pulled out. I wanted to go over and references sure. that I think relevant. Um, again, I think it's by design. I think that it's intentional. I don't think it's for the intention of like hurting anybody, although I think there is some of that. I think it's more just kind of like herd the sheep. I hate mm-hmm. to put it that way. It's like, a, I, I almost imagine like, I like to do kind of like a meditative exercise sometimes where I'll, I'll imagine myself being like the ruler of the global government. <laughs> and like, like I'll imagine myself having the best intentions possible, like really wanting everybody possible to survive as long as they can being as happy as they possibly ever could. And like the amount of stress and like just sheer anxiety. Sure. With great power comes great responsibility. Sure. And so I imagine kind of like these political or like economic elites that might be raised that way, that might be like told their whole lives, like, hey, like, we're not going to nuclear war because you are going over the data of all the Americans, making sure that that's not going to happen. Or like, we're not going to have a terrorist attack because like you are responsible for knowing what everyone's doing all the time. Or like, I feel like there's like a righteous intention there that's faulted in the fact that humans don't ultimately know what's best for ourselves sure that like uh these broader consequences that we're seeing again are i know i keep saying by this time i'm kind of contradicting myself here but the larger consequences we're seeing i I think are kind of an accidental consequence of trying to design something that's highly centralized and basically makes it impossible for people to have access to foods that make them healthier that make them optimally healthy and that sort of thing yeah it's hard for me to get behind that the fact that they don't want to hurt us i appreciate you being optimistic but when i look at you know you can go buy a box of cereal for a dollar 99 but to buy organic apples it's 4.99 i kind of feel like they don't really they don't care that we can't eat healthy i agree with that completely so let me qualify that when i say I, I think that they don't care about hurting us. I just think that the intention isn't to add harm. I think that's a, a consequence that they don't care much about. Yeah, they don't so, care. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's what I'm trying to say, I guess. Sure. I agree with your point completely. I just, I think it's kind of like uh, there are, I, I try to look at it in this way that people are trying to do the best that they can and like trying to help and that they're just, that humans are just stupid. <laughs> Aside, and and not to say that the other way of looking at things is wrong. I just find that when you look at things in this way, it's like people are malicious, and there's like this, like really evil conspiracy trying to get at us. Like I feel like that kind of drains your energy. It, and you're right, it does. And I appreciate, I do d- appreciate the optimism for sure. And it's it's easy to go down that evil rabbit hole. It's hard not to see though, especially what I feel like they're conducting right here in America. You know, I read the what they're doing in Italy and the prime minister is, you know, there will be no fake meat. We are supporting our farmers 100 percent. You know, you talk about having, you know, the celiac. I have heard many stories where people who have celiac issues go over to Italy and places like that. And they don't have a problem eating the bread. So to me, it's, you know, the Monsota, whatever you want to call it. I feel like they're po- they're doing something here we are supposed to have the best healthcare in the world, but we're all sick. We're all yeah. having these problems, and it's hard not to think that maybe there's not some sort of component, whether it's a you know huge conspiracy theory, psyop, whatever. I feel like they're doing to us, you know, and and not to be so bi- biblical, but I know that in biblical times, you know, the the Pharaoh would feed the you know peasants. They would eat grains. They would have fruit. So they would be meek and mild and not raise up where the other people were eating their meat and becoming strong. And it's it's hard not to think on the terms of, okay, I don't want to say they're doing it on purpose, but when you see other countries who can thrive and are doing good things with their food, why can't we do that here? Why aren't we doing it here? 100%. See, I don't think you're wrong at all. That's so what I'm trying to say is I think that perspective, I try to like hold a bookmark there, if that makes sense. And so it's like when I see things that like reinforce that interpretation i try to like keep an open mind to it and especially to prepare because i do think ultimately there are some really negative things really bad things happening in the world regardless of if people mean to do them or not i think mm-hmm. things are happening and so it's like 
the way that I look at it is just like I try to imagine that it really is just kind of like a mental health thing. Like when I look at it the other way, that there are like these malicious forces, like it makes me feel disempowered to do something about it. Whereas if I'm short, you know, there's just these kind of idiot pulling strings in the wrong way. Like I feel more empowered. Yeah, no, that's that totally makes sense, and that's a good mindset to have. That's a good mindset to have for sure. I, 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 again, I do not think you are wrong by any means. And to get into that, like I do want to share. You just touched on one of these stats. I have, we have the we spend the most on healthcare than any other country. Then the next like ten countries combined by some metrics. And so, but if you get into it, sixty percent of U.S. adults have a chronic disease, and forty percent have two or more. And from that. Got my little numbers right here. That just makes me sad. That makes me so sad. It's worse because 70% of Americans are on a prescription, more than the ones that even have diseases. And 50% of Americans are on two or more prescriptions. So if you get into it by design, this type of thing is like, I really think in the last 50 years, there has been a lot of that. Again, I try not to look at them the way it's like there are world controllers, like making us meet a model on purpose. I feel like in my interpretation, there is some of that. But in the 60s and 70s, I think we made a lot of infrastructural changes that were solely for the purpose of economic surplus without taking into account any other possible consequences. And mm-hmm. the, I feel like it speaks a lot more to kind of like, and I'm, I'm a patriot, I love, I love America, but to the American psychology of of ambition for ambition's sake, mm-hmm. kind of game or games mm-hmm. of like, well, let's make more because we can and I feel like there's kind of that's never been addressed really because there's that psychology kind of is still there for a lot of us. I mean, I've, I do that all the time, <laughs> you know, with like, I, um, and also the consequences themselves are only just starting to appear in the state of severity. And that's true. That's true. I, I like they are long, but just like in the state of severity that they're yeah. appearing. That's true. But that's still that's still sad to me. And that's still and 100 percent. I'm a patriot as well. I just feel like we're losing somewhere there. The balance that we talk about, we're losing some part. And it seems to all be going to, you know, the big corporations and they're just sort of have this hold on us. And I like I said, you you read about Italy where they're absolutely not going to have any fake meat whatsoever. And yet here they're cramming it like you. They want you to take this. They want to get rid of the beef industry. They want to get. And it's just I don't know. I just feel like we're getting lost somewhere. No, I, I agree. And that's where, again, I like keep a bookmark to that. I think that there is a lot of truth there. I just for me, it like. Again, I find myself going down the rabbit hole. I'm just like, okay, like, I feel like the truth presents itself to me in a more healthy way. Yeah, and I like that. And we have to stay, because at the end of the day, there's, you know, we're here and this is where we're living and what we're doing. So we can really just be in charge of what, how we're handling it, right? If I can can choose not to imagine that my life is at the mercy of reptilian shapeshifters. <laughs> but, but I'm not going to I'm not gonna push that possibility off. <laughs> no, I, I I like that. So let's let's go back, um, make a U-turn then and just go back to so what is it that you uh, help people with? What do you offer for people who maybe want to get in touch with you, talk about more, are starting to take proactive choices towards their health? What what do you what can you do for them? So specifically, I help people with chronic disease and chronic pain get off of their need from the medical monopoly. So people that are getting kind of like awake to this sort of thing and who are really confused, understanding that there are a lot of different ways of looking at nutrition and looking at diet and that a lot of these things kind of contradict each other. Uh, I, my goal is to come in to kind of help people develop a more personalized understanding of their own health and what works for them as opposed to like being fearfully driven down the dogma respect. Sure, sure, sure. Thanks. And so, yeah, I'm, I just, I do health coaching. I help people make diet plans. I help people with lab testing. I help people with just discerning the root causes of their diseases. And then I help them recreate basically a whole lifestyle routine to favor healing and favor the repairing of that issue. And That's incredible. Food medicine, supplements, herbs, various postural therapy exercises, I really just incorporate as much as I can 
and do everyone program. Do you have just out of, um, you know, the clients that you're serving, is there like a certain percentage that's higher in this maybe autoimmune than what you like? Um, do you know what I'm trying to ask? Like, is there more of one than there is another? I would say most, most of what I see are multiple sclerosis oh, wow. and, and Hashimoto's, like you were saying, people with thyroid problems, either Hashimoto's or hyperthyroidism, one of the two. It, and, uh, and that is such a complicated, complicated thing. Oh, it's great. It's so tricky. That's the thing with the thyroid is I feel like that statins and, and cholesterol and blood pressure and all that stuff, like you can kind of forgive people for following or doctors for like falling for that science. But when it gets into this sort of thing, I don't know. Um, so um, how, how can they get in touch with you? What, what can you offer and how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So um, I have a website. It's just haywoodheels.com. Uh, I have a kind of a more in-depth explanation of my approach, uh, the systems I use. I basically do everything from gut health to postural alignment. Um, I go into more specifics on what that looks like on my website as well. And you can book a free call on my website. I meet with everybody for about 45 minutes to an hour. And regardless of if people choose to go forward with the program with me or not, I leave everybody with a what I call a heal yourself toolkit. Uh, which helps people kind of get started on their journey so they're not so confused. That's wonderful. So, yes, that's the rundown. <laughs> so, and you're working on a book? Yes. So I'm in the middle of writing right now. It's called The Spirit of Healing. I love uh, it. Uh, kind of about a lot of what we're talking about and uh, more to do again with the intentions of the people that develop the medical monopoly and kind of like what we can do as individuals to move away from that to make something a little bit better. And when when might we, we see that? Um, well, dealing with my newborn right now, it's uh, the deadline is getting pushed off all the time. <laughs> um, Which, so, congratulations, by the way. That's such a great thing. Thank you so much. I'm trying to get it done by March of next year. I do have some ambitious kind of parts in it that I'm trying to dive into. Um, but be on the lookout for it before then as well, because I'm kind of ambitious about it getting a lot done. That's fantastic. Well, I have so enjoyed you. I have enjoyed everything that you have said. I've hung up on every word that you have been able to, you know, say from memory to either looking at like it just I really appreciate the work that you're doing and that you're out there trying to go against um, the norm. And I'm just so appreciative that you came on the podcast. And I really hope you will come back and we can get sort of into the nitty gritty of maybe specific uh, more specific health things and stuff like that. Thank you so much for having me again. This is this is my first podcast. I'm so excited. <laughs> See, it wasn't too bad, right? It wasn't not at all. I was a little nervous, but I I, I was happy with the results. I, I can't. I gotta say, I can't imagine a more welcoming host. Oh, thank you very much. Working with me, having me, being accommodating, getting me on here finally because I know it was a little tricky there. It was absolutely worth the the wait and i'm just so glad that we were able to connect and it, you're just absolutely wonderful and i'm really excited for your book i'm really excited to see what you're going to be doing and please please come back on the show i'd love to have you back i think i would love to come on anytime i, I really loved this that's awesome all right we will talk to you soon cool thank you so much see you soon